a series this summer called FaceTime Conversations with Jesus. And we are looking at the different conversations that Jesus had with various people throughout his life here on earth. And I've really enjoyed just going through and and reading all the different conversations that Jesus has had with people. He asked some great questions. He answered some great questions that people asked him. And it's just awesome to see how relational Jesus was during his life, how he just met with people where they were at and talked with them, and how just a a simple, quick, even just a very quick conversation could be life-changing for someone. And, you know, this got me thinking of all the great conversations that we had at KidFest this week. And not going to lie, I did hear a lot of conversations that went along the lines of, when are we going on the water slide? Or, when is snack? Or, when are we going on the water slide? Or, are we sliming Dave today? Or, when are we going on the water slide? There was a lot lot of water slides. They're a big hit. But there were a lot of great conversations about faith as well. A lot of our kids were asking, who is Jesus? A lot of the kids who came to KidFest for the first time, maybe this was their first encounter with Jesus. So they were asking, who is Jesus? They were asking, what did he do? And they were asking, what does knowing Jesus change about my life? And what we talked about at KidFest this week is knowing how much Jesus loves each and every one of us, well, it should change everything about our lives And for those kids who made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, the natural follow-up question a lot of them are asking is, how? How do I follow Jesus? What is the next step in following Jesus? What does that look like in my life? And I think even as adults, maybe even some of us have been following Jesus for a little while, we can ask that question from time to time because it's easy for us to get confused on how to follow Jesus. In the Bible, there's four accounts of Jesus' life, and he teaches on a wide variety of subjects, and we hear uh, so many stories about what he did and who he is. That's a lot of reading material right there. But if we even look at the other 62 books in the Bible, you know, everything before Jesus kind of points to him, and then everything after Jesus kind of turns back to him and is a result of what he did, So in all actuality, all 66 books of our Bible contain something about Jesus and what we should do to follow him. And when you hear a lot of people start talking and they start sharing their opinions on how to follow Jesus, we realize there's a wide variety of opinions out there and not all of them are great ones. I always get amused when I see those guys on TV and they're like, you need to give me a ton of money so I can buy a private jet and then I'm gonna fly around and and tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't know about that one. (laughs) I just kinda, I think we can dismiss some of those guys pretty quickly. But even for those people who have good intentions, we live in a broken, fallen world and sometimes unintentionally, the message can get confused. You know, certainly all of us here at Calvary, we try and explain things as clearly as possible, but none of us are perfect. So we might understand that, you know, we understand we might say something that, or or do something that might be a little confusing. So what do we do with that when we get confused? What can can we remember that's our next step? And answer this question of what does following Jesus look like? And that's why I'm really excited to dig into today's conversation where Jesus lays it out so simply for each and every one of us 
on how we can follow him. So we're going to turn to the book of Matthew today. We're going to be in chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, feel free to grab one for this, uh, in the seat rack in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at all, uh, please feel free to take that Bible in the seat rack home with you. That's our gift to you. You can also, if you're more of a digital type person, uh, you can pull the version app of the Bible on your smartphone. That's the version that we recommend. And then you can have the Bible with you wherever you go. But wherever you decide to turn, we are in Matthew chapter 22. And in just a minute, we're going to start in verse 34. But what I'm going to kind of do is I'm going to set the scene of how we arrived in this conversation. Then we're going to look at the question that was asked of Jesus, how this conversation started. We'll talk about the question. And then after that, we'll look at Jesus' answer and dig into the implications of of what he answered and, and how he answered it. So setting the scene of this particular conversation, which we find here, this conversation takes place in the week leading up to Jesus' death on the cross. So just a few days ago, we saw the day we now know as Palm Sunday. Jesus rode in on the donkey, palm branches everywhere, uh, triumphal entry, all that good stuff. And Jesus is now just spending his time in Jerusalem. He's going around, he's teaching people. He's having a lot of face time with people. And this particular conversation is the third of the series of three conversations that Jesus has with various religious groups in the area. And they're coming to him for for all kinds of reasons, whether they're just curious or, or whether they're actually mad at something else he said and they're trying to argue with them. There's a wide variety of reasons why these religious groups are here. And we're about to see what this particular religious group is doing here. So let's see the question that was asked of Jesus, how this particular conversation started. So I'm going to pick up in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 22. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So that's a pretty tough question, at least I feel. So let's get a greater understanding of of why this question is so tough and why the Pharisees were asking it. So let's start with who are the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees, they were the experts in the law, also known as the Jewish scriptures or commonly known to us as the Old Testament today. This is kind of the first big chunk of our Bible that they're talking about here. And these Pharisees, these experts in the law, They would have known what's now known to us as our Old Testament inside out and backwards. They would have had a very, very good understanding of it. They'd committed their lives to studying it, have memorized large sections of it. And the Pharisees, they attempted to take this law and they attempted to follow these laws perfectly down to every I dotted, down to every T crossed, every single little detail of these laws. They attempted to follow them. And they wanted others, they wanted their followers to do the same in their lives. Take these laws, apply them very detailed, very uh, rigidly to their lives. And the Pharisees' intentions, they were varied. They were across the board. Some Pharisees, they truly loved God and they thought this was just the way to follow him. But other Pharisees, Uh, We're not about the God piece as much. They were very prideful and they were trying to show other people in their lives how, how good they were and how righteous they were at following the laws. It was to build up the self, not necessarily because of their love for God. 
So even back then, we can see some confusion and some other things that are going on with what God has given to us. And what they were doing in this particular with conversation, uh, in this particular conversation with Jesus, as it says there, they're trying to test him. So the Pharisees had a lot of face time with Jesus over the course of his life. And Jesus, you know, called them out and challenged them and and debated them on a lot of their beliefs and and their practices. And this led to a lot of the Pharisees not liking Jesus very much, to put it mildly. A lot of times the Pharisees were looking for ways to have Jesus arrested, or in some extreme cases, they were even trying to kill Jesus. So they sent a representative, which it says in this text, uh, an expert in the law. So this is someone, even by Pharisee standards, who's very smart and very good and knows the law inside out and backwards. And they sent this guy to try and trap Jesus. Because surely an expert in the law could use the law to tell Jesus why he is wrong. And then they'd have their opportunity. So now let's look at Jesus' response to this question of teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So Jesus replies, and this is verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So let's look at the three key parts of Jesus' response. So part one is the commands he actually gives. So this is actually a 1A and a 1B sort of thing because he gives two of them. But the first command he gives is from the book of Deuteronomy. So he directly quotes from the law. And this is actually from a very, very important and famous part of the Jewish law called the Shema. And this is something that the Pharisees, certainly, but really most Jewish people in the crowd would have known this passage very well by heart from a young age. So Jesus isn't really saying super controversial to the Pharisees here. Many of them would have probably agreed with him. They would have said, well, yes, we agree. This is what we're trying to do. But remember how the Pharisees taught people is you love God by following every law down to the last detail. And this is why Jesus throws the second commandment in where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, he is citing the law to answer the expert in the law's question. This particular um, verse is from Leviticus. That's where we go back and find it. And this isn't something that was as well known as uh, the Shema, the passage from Deuteronomy, but still would have been very well known by the Pharisees and the Jewish people. And it wasn't just there, it was a common theme throughout the entire Old Testament. And certainly for those who had heard Jesus teach a lot, it was a common theme in his teachings as well. So because of the Pharisees' self-righteousness on upholding the law, Jesus is pointing out to them that, you know, they sometimes have been struggling with this command to love others, the second greatest commandment, as Jesus says. The second most important, or the second, uh, the second thing in Jesus' response that we're going to look at is in verse 39, where Jesus says the phrase, the second, is like it. So what Jesus is doing here is, is he's not disputing that that first command to love God is not the greatest. It is. Jesus is saying that. 
But what Jesus is saying is that these two commands stand together. And in this conversation with the Pharisees, Jesus is telling them, if you don't love other people, you're not really following that first and greatest commandment. And the last part of Jesus' response, which is important, is how he ends it. He says, all the law and the prophets, all the Jewish scriptures, all the Old Testament, it all hangs on these two commands. Jesus is using the law to tell the expert in the law, nothing in the Jewish scriptures makes sense. Nothing in them can truly be obeyed unless these first two commands are being followed. Again, the Pharisees thought they were very good. They were very righteous because of their detail to the law and their attentiveness to it and how they kept it. But what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is they have it all confused. They have it all wrong. Jesus is saying people who truly love God, they aren't self-righteous rule followers. People who truly love God don't make up more rules which were not given by God and force people to follow them. Jesus is saying here that people who truly love God are made into loving people who take this love and they go out and show it to others. To put it more uh, simply, people will know you love God by how you love them. And what Jesus is outlining to the Pharisees is even they, with their detail and attentiveness to the law, can't even follow these two greatest commands perfectly. Well, where does that leave us then? Because I don't know about you, and, and you know, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm not sure when the last time I've cracked open the Old Testament and done a deep dive into uh, the Jewish scriptures have been. But the message for us, if we were having this FaceTime with Jesus, would be just as simple. Our two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. There's really nothing deeper or, or, or more profound to pull out of it than that. Jesus outlines it so simply, and, and I think that's really cool that Jesus just makes it ultra, ultra easy for us. But the other thing that Jesus is saying here is that these are mandatory. These are commands. Jesus isn't leaving room for us for not doing these. This isn't a, hey, you know, these would be nice if you did these. These are a cool next step if you want to go further, if you want to get to the next level. No, the message from Jesus here is mandatory. Love God, love others. And I think about my life, and, and if I was to say I do this better than the Pharisees, that I would be just like the Pharisees in making myself self-righteous. And ultimately, I failed at following these two greatest commands, and I will fail at following these two greatest commands. But Jesus, he followed both of these perfectly. Throughout his entire life, he loved God and loved people without fail. He did these without fail so much that he submitted to the Father's will and died on the cross, and he did this because of his love for you and for me. Just a few days after telling the Pharisees, having this FaceTime, other people in the crowd hearing it. Jesus died on the cross in front of many of those same people because of his great love for them. And it was also because of his great love for you and his love for me. Jesus paid the punishment that we deserve 
because we cannot fulfill these two greatest commandments. Jesus did this so we could receive forgiveness and have a right relationship with him. So I have to think, what would it look like even knowing we're going to mess up and we're going to fail, but still trying our best to show how much we love God by how well we radically love the people that he has placed in our lives. One thing we do at KidFest every single year is we uh, have the kids bring in canned goods and non-perishable food items and uh, they collect these. Um, we fill up big shopping carts and we send them out to local food pantries to help people who need a meal or having trouble putting food on their table. And I gotta say, this year, our kids at Calvary, they stepped up big time. We filled over 45 shopping carts full of food at KidFest this year. Absolutely, give it up for those kids. So if you see a kid around you in the audience, make sure to give them a big high five and say, hey, that's awesome. Way to love your neighbors in that way. But it wasn't just the kids I saw who were radically loving their neighbors at KidFest this week. I mentioned this already, but every volunteer who gave their time, who gave their efforts, every volunteer who woke up stupid early in the morning to come in and just had, was just filled and pumped with caffeine, like an IV of Red Bull straight into them so they could have the energy to hang with these kids for four hours in the morning. We cannot do it without them. And that is a great example of radical love, showing these kids love just by taking some time out of your day. So thank, let's thank all the volunteers this week again. You guys are awesome. So I heard uh, one particular story this week. Um, there was a girl, it was her very first time at KidFest. And she is a fifth grader, going to be a sixth grader. So this is actually the last year she could attend KidFest. And she is not connected to Calvary. Um, we're not sure if she's connected. It's very possible she's not connected to any church in our community. Um, and she came in and she definitely gave her team leaders and the other volunteers a run for their money. Uh, she came in and uh, we had to deal with some situations where she was cursing at other kids and yelling at them. So we had to address some of that. Um, but those volunteers who she was giving a run for their money they didn't, just, uh, they didn't just send her home or, or make the problem go away. No, these volunteers radically loved this girl. They leaned into her. They supported her. They made sure they were doing everything they could to make sure this girl was having an awesome week at KidFest. And it was through this radical love and these one-on-one -on -one interactions that these volunteers had with this girl where she started to know Jesus and she started to hear about the love that Jesus had for her. And she started to ask her leaders and these volunteers some of these questions that we were talking about in the beginning. Who is Jesus? What did he do for me? And these leaders just patiently answered her questions and talked with her and had a lot of FaceTime with her. And because of the radical love shown to this girl by the volunteers, at the end of the week, she decided to put her faith and her trust in Jesus, and she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, which is an amazing thing. Absolutely. We're going to need some applause for that one. We've heard stories uh, from parents, you know, we had some parents come to the hub and said, hey, just, just thank you, my kids had such an awesome time this week, and maybe you're here, maybe you're an example of, of being invited by a family to come out to KidFest, and maybe you're here because your kids had a great week 
this week. And I'm not saying that to brag on us or saying we're doing a great job because at the end of the day, it's not us. It's the love of Christ working through us. And that could be you. You could be the person God uses to show someone in your life how much he loves them. People will know we love God and people will know how much God loves them by how we love them. So who are those people who God has placed in your life to love this week? Who are those people who you can reach out to and radically love, show God's love to this week? Jesus outlines what we have to do to follow him. It's simple. It's two commands. Love God, love others, but it's mandatory. And thank goodness that when we fail, when we stumble, when, when we don't follow these commands, we can rely on Jesus' grace and we can ask him for forgiveness and he will pick us up every time. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we just wanna thank you for the awesome, incredible week that you gave to us at KidFest for holding out the weather and not having rain. We thank you for just the opportunity uh, to share your love with, with so many kids, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those kids who had an encounter with Jesus for the first time, that you would just place people in their lives who can love them, who uh, can help them grow in their faith. For those who made a decision to follow you for the first time, we pray that you would just be with them and continue to work in their lives, Lord. Lord, as we go on through our weeks here, we pray you would open our eyes and show us who we can love this week. Show us how we can follow your two greatest commandments. Thank you for your son, Jesus, how he outlines it so simply for us. And thank you for the grace that he shows us and the love that he shows us through his death on the cross. Amen.